I guess I want to understand the appeal. What is it about them? This was a question posed to a friend of mine a few years ago. It's simple, he said. In a venue of 10,000 people, they were just the coolest ones in the room. I'm Michael Higgins. This week, you're listening to Is This It by The Strokes with our special guest, Isabel Scarlett Jack. Izzy, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you today? I'm very good. Thanks so much for coming. You, uh, you've brought to the show today, Is This It by The Strokes. Yes, I have. Um, this is this is one of my favorite albums of all time, um, mostly because of its impact. Um, it, in my opinion, is one of the most important albums of uh, definitely the two thousands, and uh, it sparked a whole uh, style of music. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just uh, it's iconic. Absolutely, I um, it's it's I think something that especially if you were of a certain age when it came out it couldn't not have a certain impact on you. If you played oh, an definitely. instrument, this made you feel like you could be in a band. Um, it it just, it speaks to so many things, especially if you're of a certain age. Uh, I was I was in my late teens when this came out uh, playing guitar and it was like everything to me when it came out. Oh, for sure. Um, so I wanted to set the stage yeah. for the listeners um, because uh, part of what makes this, album so iconic is is like as we said when it came out mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. um so the, the state of music at the time um it was uh it, this was pre kind of like free music on the internet kind of stage so everything was very controlled by the record companies um a lot of the popular ba- uh, music at the time was very like pop centric so a lot of uh the backstreet boys um you know uh nsync uh even the rock acts were pretty uh, formulaic at that point there was a lot of good bands mm-hmm. like, um but they had kind of like they had passed their first third fourth album kind of thing like you had uh radiohead and kind of their experimental phase uh you had like oasis kind of uh you know past their like like peak um you know green day was doing some good stuff but they even then like you know they were on their third or fourth album yeah so there, there was a lot of stuff that we'd already had and we were kind of everybody seemed to be kind of like looking for something new or everything was kind of gloomy or overproduced and seemed a little fake that's kind of i think the feeling of the music at the time mm-hmm. and then everything kind of got kicked off by the fact that right before this album came out 911 happened right so in that kind of like phase where everybody was, you know, reevaluating their priorities and life was up in the air and nobody really knew what was going on. Um, this came out of New York. And uh, for me personally, uh, I got this album within the first week that it came out. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was hooked on the sound. Um, it was what I was like looking for. And uh, it, it basically formed kind of the basis for my musical uh, kind of awakening because when you have that like those teenage years that's that's when you kind of form your own your own identity yeah before that you're just listening to whatever like you know your older siblings listen to and yeah you're, like now you're your suddenly parents. or your parents and now you're trading around music with your friends and it becomes a whole yeah. different uh feeling and you can buy the things you want yeah right? like it, it's your money that's that's purchasing these things yeah and you start to feel like you have albums that are all your own rather than somebody else's right for sure yeah for sure. okay well do we want to listen yes all right so i'll explain how this works 
uh, basically each episode, uh, I have a guest on and the guest and I listen to and discuss one of our favorite albums uh, in real time. So sometimes it's going to be a technical discussion, sometimes historical, sometimes personal, and you at home can listen along. Uh, all you have to do is listen to the countdown and hit play at the same time as the beep. And it'll be like you're listening to it with us. And we'll be having our own little listening party uh, between us and you at home. So without further ado, is this it by the strokes? Three, two. One. So what I like about this song um, or the way that this album kind of opens up is that the first song kind of personifies like what I was talking about. It starts out kind of weird. Mm. You get that weird kind of intro and then you just hear Julian Casablanca's voice and it's just He's just got that kind of like, I don't really care. Yeah. Kind of like sound to and, it. That little drag out of the sounds. And his yeah. voice too. It's kind of like lazy. I drums. got reading and his voice, they recorded it through uh, a little PV guitar amp. Yeah. So it yeah. has like, it, it's just not a sound that you usually have in a vocal recording. It sounds really lo-fi. Yeah. And then of course, For sure. this bass. Right there, and, I love it. <laughs> you know, it's very simple. You got this very simple song. You don't really kind of know what's going. And it just, it has that. It finishes with that lyric. Is this it? Yeah. Which again, that's what we were all feeling at the time. We're like, what is, what is happening in the world? What are we, what are we going towards? What are our new priorities mm -hmm. in this? Like, what's just happened? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. So to have this kind of like this song, it it just feels like it it feels like it felt in the moment to kind of be a little bit lost, but like still have the desire to kind of move forward. I, I guess that's kind of the way I feel yeah, about it. Yeah. I like, I completely hear that. It's also just interesting to me immediately. Like from, from the first song, of this album, I, I haven't heard anything quite like this, but I think, but, no. but at the same time, it's familiar. Like there's this sound yes. that, so it's familiar, but it's, yeah, but go it's ahead. new and fresh. So I think that's what's cool. So this song, it's pretty short it song is. to yeah, be two fair. And, a half minutes. and what it like, so it leads into, I think what is the defining sound. So as we finish this song up, like it kind of finishes with that note of, uh, is this it? And kind of like, you're like left feeling like, yeah, is this mm -hmm. it? And even like within the album, if this is the first song you heard and you haven't heard anything else, you're like, yeah, this is kind of like meh. But then the next song, that's when it's like, this is what the strokes sound right. is, um, to me. Like, it's just like, that's like the modern age. You, it's, you're starting up right now. Now you start to get that like, okay, now we're picking mm -hmm. it up a little bit. We got that kind of like that, that driving guitar. This is a little bit more what their style is going forward. It's a lot of what the indie rock style was, is that like, that guitar just jammed, and, right? and it's not really and like, heavy. Like it's not like a no. heavy distorted guitar. It, it's 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 overdriven a bit, but it's not aggressive oh, and the loud. overdrive. Like, <laughs> the overdrive. I, <laughs> overdrive is like the definition of like what indie yeah. rock is. Just having <laughs> that like crank. But um, but like what I like is you've got this like like old school punk like Ramones and Clash and stuff. It's that those simple chord progressions, but they're like they're overly hard. 
this takes that like style of playing the guitar but applies melody to it right totally so you still have that like you know that feel of of like you're you're up in your seat right like there's some driving force behind it because that guitar is constant but there's a lot more going on with the actual chord progressions and what's happening there um and it just gets you kind of like a little bit more off your seat a little bit into it and then once again we went from is this it where julian casablancas is like kind of like almost out mm -hmm. of it to like his voice in this one he's just he's got that like yeah he goes in and out of it like this this is he's kind of mellow again but right before you go into the chorus he's got that driving mm -hmm. like slightly like raspy yell kind of thing that he does so well Ugh, it just <laughs> this one just it, it just gives me chills to like what the you know it reminding me that first time that i listened to this just being like oh fuck yeah this is this is so good time and then this and then, and then it's like the strokes also kind of feel like the return of the guitar solo like there weren't That's a what, lot of yeah. bands that played like guitar rock like this anymore at that time it, it just wasn't really happening um like and then like so i think to, to me right here like that guitar solo again in the context of hearing this for the first time ever right like you're you're thinking this has got a like punk vibe to it and then all of a sudden you've got that like you know slash um like jimmy page like you've got some like you can tell that there's talent here beyond just like slamming on a couple chords right? absolutely so that that to me was like that moment where i was just like oh yes like this is like every part of the last 30 years that i like about music in one style yeah and ah this song though <laughs> this song just to me it just sets you up with this is everything that this band is and it's in different parts in the song but yeah, I, I'll, I'm just going to listen for a minute and you. <laughs> yeah, ahead. absolutely. No, I'm just looking here. I had uh, there's a great article uh, from The Guardian um, where Albert Hammond Jr., uh, one of the, the two guitarists from The Strokes, was interviewed. And he talks about Julian uh, would write songs and coming in with the modern age. And here's the quote. He'd be like, it's D to G. Yeah, kind of like that. But you're holding the chord wrong. It took time. But, but it was magical. And by the end of the night, we'd have a song. And it, it's really that, Love like, it. everything that I read, you often hear these stories just about Julian Casablanca's being very, very specific with the sound that he was trying to create um, with yes, and, and the, me uh, the melodies that he was trying to create. Um, I have to find this other quote because it's great. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, here, um, so so here we go. So we're on a Soma. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, go no. for it. Say the quote. Um, Hit, it. Hit me. Like he he would he would be like a very, very particular, like that hi-hat's not right. And then he'd say, This song, <laughs> can you loosen its tie a little? Um, he want he I wanted his voice to sound like your favorite blue jeans, not totally destroyed, but worn in, comfortable. That's that's so that's accurate, so accurate too. Like like because you know. Uh, we don't know what they went through to like how many takes or whatever to get to that, but it's definitely what was achieved, yes, right? Yes. So, um, but like, you know, this song too, like you just had modern age, which is pretty like driving. And like, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of that punk influence, a lot of that kind of like 
uh, almost that 70s rock feel. Mm -hmm. And then this one's a little more lighthearted. It's a little more like playful. So you're like, okay, it's not only like they're still taking the same kind of sound. You got the driving guitar in the background. You've got that nice like hi-hat. You got the, you know, and then, but it's it's a more mellow song. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, there's different lanes here. It's not just like all out all the time. We've got some, you know, we've got some flow too. And uh, it, it really feels like this is, again, one of those songs, too, that I listen to. And it's like, this is the album that launches like a thousand bands because oh, yeah. everybody is kind of starts trying to do this after this album comes out. Like these like just like like these hooks, like having songs that are just very hook driven. I think about um, like yeah. Franz Ferdinand. I think about Arctic Monkeys. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, just having these little hooks that really get in your head. The pigeon detectives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's so many, there's so many bands and most of them start with the, that came out of this, the, you know, it, it was, um, it was, it was the era of the, the bands. Um, and I do, and I do remember, I do remember one Canadian group kind of trying to put out a music video that sort of kind of mocked, uh, this uh this era and this style of bands but i don't know this band is still i think culturally had a huge impact oh yeah for <laughs> sure. I, I won't uh, i don't need to point fingers or name names so we'll we'll keep everything so, positive um, here <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're in barely legal yep. um I, I'm not much of a lyrics person uh you know i i like the the melodies i like the the music mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. but um this does have a set of lyrics that that really resonated with me and, and again with that whole like that we were talking about how it's it's like post 9-11 yeah. you got all that kind of like existential crisis but it, there's a line in it it's like i should have tried much harder i should have just not bothered and like that their contradiction is like that was it yes, right there <laughs> right there um so it's like that to me is kind of like the whole time period, like yeah. kind of summed up yeah. in in like two words. It's like we nobody the idea of like what was the point uh, of you know because uh, you know society at that point was very it was very image oriented, like it was oriented on like what do people think of mm-hmm. me and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, whereas like now we're a little bit more like self fulfillment, like do what's going to make you happy because you're only you only get one trip around. Uh, you know, trip around the universe, whatever the hell mm-hmm. it is. Um, so, but that one there, it's like, I should have tried much harder. I should have just not bothered. That's the, that's the feeling, right? You want to do something. You want to like get up in there. This is the only system that we really know. Like this is what society is. But at the same time, um, you have that feeling of like, nothing I do is actually going to make a difference. Right. Um and the way that a lot of people ended up resolving that, or at least in the circles that I traveled in, because uh, I was like I was in Toronto during the indie rock wave, yeah. right? So I was I was in this. I was seeing all the bands. I was oh, I was I'm there. So jealous. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. But uh, you know that was that was kind of what a lot of people seemed to get out of it was that if nothing really matters, then do the things that you love, right? And and just, or there was like, there was a little bit of nihilism too, where it was just, all right, I guess I'm just going to party my face off because like nothing really matters. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of a combination of those two things. But um, I think that that to me really encapsulates like the time period and kind of the, 
the feel because this was um this was dance music right like yes it's yeah. it's rock and roll it's punk it's whatever you want to call it but like uh indie rock like you know post-punk revival i've heard you yeah. know whatever you want to label this music people were off their seats dancing and just like losing themselves in the moment and and i think that was like the difference between again like things like oasis things like matthew good band or things like you know the the stuff that was on much yeah. music at the time um was that was all like it, yes there was a lot of political like commentary in those songs or 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 whatever but it wasn't it didn't have the same energy that that the strokes really brought to the, um the music yeah industry. this feels like it's just it's it's just let's have a big party and like i said i like yeah. i defy you to not want to dance to this to this uh music and to this album like it, it makes you want to yeah. move um you know and it's like it, it feels really it, it feels really just correct coming out of the scene that they were kind of uh in in the new uh in new york at the time too like intersecting uh you know with other bands like lcd sound system like where people would go see a show see the strokes play and then go to like an after party where uh you know um james murphy would be spinning records and like all all yeah. of that was sort of mingling together yep and you can hear it in the sound too, right? Especially like in the later albums when people started, you know, experiment. Like they took the sound and ran yeah, with it, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, like and to kind of flog a dead horse here, <laughs> like that whole, like that um, phrase is like is a contradiction in like in what it is, right? And I think the Strokes musically are also like a band of contradictions, mm. like in the way that they do their music. Yep. You have these like lilting melodies over top like like julian casablancas listen to his voice right now it's just like it's a it's kind of like a soft like you know little upbeat melody and below that you've got like somebody just jamming on the drums and jamming on the guitar right yeah he slows down the feel of the music but if you took out his voice from that you just have like a raucous like song that's going like crazy right goes 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 like it's really really pedaling right yeah, but he takes it and he mellows it out just by like the way that he's singing. Yeah. So like their music is very much about that whole like taking uh taking both sides to the extreme and then finding some middle ground that somehow works. Mm-hmm. And and like all of the bands that were successful that like had this kind of like style as their, you know, starting mm-hmm. point, they all have that same kind of thing going where it's like it's those those crazy highs and lows somehow meeting in the middle uh and and it just happening to work mm-hmm. whenever i think of this song this is i i feel like this is always going to be a thing that that comes up with certain albums so i i played in a band through university and we we played several stroke songs and this was i think the first one we ever played and it makes me think about like the strokes also have this like they're all very learnable songs which was great Yep. If like you're, you know, like you're a teenager learning guitar, cause like they're just, they're great guitar songs. They're a little bit more than like a lot of the songs that I was probably pre- learning when I was in high school. Like they're uh-huh. a, just a little bit more technical. They pushed me a little bit further, which I really liked. And they're just fun. They're so fun like, to play. Oh, so much. But and but there's that little level of like like again take like a Ramon song yes. and take like this yep. right 
And with the Ramones, it's just like jam as fast as possible doing the right chords. Yep. With this, like it's yes, you're jamming on those same chords or like different progressions or whatever, but the expression of those chords, like there is more to it. It's not just like hard and fast and heavy the whole time. Yeah. It's like there is nuance in like how hard you hit each um each part of yep. that bit that you're jamming on. There, there's a lot more like just uh feel to the way that they're they're playing it i, I don't know how to explain it better no i I, 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 I totally understand what you mean um there's there's all those subtleties like between the way that you you, you smack a string um or or play mm -hmm. a chord and and they're very good at and just the interplay the interplay between the two guitars is amazing you can hear it very distinctly in yeah. this song it's going back and there's forth just back this and forth yeah, they just, this, the strokes period across their music, there's just this underlying tension that that's just always there. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I love that feeling. I don't know. I also feel like they're like one of the, these few bands where they kind of have two lead guitarists. Like, that they, they can, will yeah. go back and forth. Sometimes each of them takes solos. I don't, like, there's, there's nothing, there's just kind of nothing like this this music right now to me. I'm very like I, I'm feeling very nostalgic, and that makes me want to play guitar. I think any any um, any album or any song that makes you want to pick up an instrument and play it, I I think you've I I think you've won, <laughs> like as as a songwriter, you know. Um, Couldn't agree more. So when you bring up, um, I know the the Ramones. Um, I was thinking, you hear it a lot um, throughout the Strokes, and they do it live too. They're super, super tight with like their endings of songs, just that bah ending, which is that just total Ramones thing that one, two, three, four, go, 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 and stop. Right? They know how to stop on a yeah. dime. They're very, very good musicians. Uh, you know, yes. like they're not just sort of like a bunch of noisy kids. I'm all over no, the place, it, but like that's yeah. what this does to me. No, no, <laughs> I, 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 I super agree. I think like that's a very good point. And, and again, I think everything that we've talked about points to that, mm -hmm. like our appreciation for them as musicians, how it's, it's really the, I, I don't think either of us thinks that like these are in, in other albums, there's a lot more technical mm -hmm. stuff going on Sure. in this particular one. It's a little bit more um, straightforward, it's right? straightforward uh, which is very deliberate. And, and that's, that's where I was yeah. going with it is that um, it's, it's not that it's straightforward by accident. Yes. Like, as you said, like it's straightforward with a, like a vision in mind. Like, like they, they had a producer who did, uh, who's like a famous producer uh, uh, that they basically said like, no, you're what you've done to our songs is not the vision that we have. They ended up working with, uh, oh, I, I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, um, it Gordon is. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm pulling it back up right now. <laughs> Um, but they ended up working with a different producer whose name was Gordon, Gordon Raphael. And okay. Uh, and you know, I'm going to stop because I got to talk about this song. <laughs> <laughs> We're so into last this night. is, yeah. yes, this is last night by the strokes. This is like, this is the song of my youth. If that mm -hmm, makes any mm -hmm. sense. So story, quick story time for those of you who, um, live in Canada or especially Toronto, um, there is a, uh, bar slash concert hall slash nightclub called lee's palace it's on mm -hmm. uh, bluer and uh, brunswick i want to yep. say uh but around there bluer and bathurst area yep. 
And uh, so they have a concert hall downstairs. Lots of amazing bands that I saw there. Uh, I, you know, I saw people blow amps. Like it just, it's, it was a amazing, that and the horseshoe were like the two places to see rock shows in Toronto when I was, it is like the 2003 to 2008 kind of time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this particular club also, or the, the uh, music venue, Lee's Palace, they had a club upstairs called uh, the Dance Cave. Yep. And it was all just rock and roll music. Like it was Arctic Monkeys. It was the Strokes. Uh, they would throw in some Ramones. They'd throw in the Beatles. Like it was, it was all the rock and roll that you just wanted to dance to. Mm-hmm. And that was like my spot for like, I don't know, close to 10 years. Mm-hmm. I loved that place. And this song was like kind of the, like during the, the initial day, the things that got me hooked to going to that place, like this song was just the song on the radio and it was the song in the club and you know everybody be off their seats and on the dance floor and going absolutely nuts and, um so yeah i mean it, just that that nostalgia to me is like i guess i can't hear this song without just like wanting to dance uh and just having those like really great memories of all my friends at the time and all that kind of stuff and and like again that that kind of um promise of the future being whatever you want it to be at that time in your mm-hmm, life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I always remember the first time I saw the music video for last night and just like being in my friend's basement and being like, what's this? And he's like, yeah, have you seen this yet? I was like, what is this? Is this old? And he's like, no, it's new. Because like <laughs> the, the music video was directed by Roman Coppola um, is a very it's kind of very simple. It's a, it's a live performance. It's not a lip sync. Um, like, and there was just something about, it's also the way that it's lit, the way that it's filmed. It looks kind of old, the stage setting and the lighting look kind of old, but yeah, they just played it live and released that as the music video. Yeah. I, there's, there's not much to say other than this is an amazing song. Yeah. It's, it's one of their best that they've ever, yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about, uh, we are talking uh, earlier just about the general uh, musicianship uh, in the band. And I remember uh, years ago, I wish I remember where I read it. Um, it was probably reading like a Rolling Stone or something. And uh, the the uh, drummer brought up how he was accused, you hear it there at the beginning of Hard to Explain, uh, accused of uh, using a drum machine to record. To which he responded, Thank you, because, <laughs> which I love. I just love that. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of people thought uh, that there's drum machines on this album, but it's it's not. It's 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 real drums. Um, it's like there's a lot of click track involved, and there's a lot of assembly, but it's 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 not it's it's not synthetic. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, it, it's, it's great. impressive. Like. You know, the more you, so, you know, if the person listening wants to look more into this album, like there is a lot of really cool stuff that we just don't have enough time to talk about in, in the length of this album yeah. that like I have learned since uh, going back and kind of like looking <laughs> some stuff up. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can really go down a rabbit hole of just, I, I love reading about this stuff, reading on Wikipedia, all about the production of the album, uh, reading this Guardian article. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot to talk about, but 
the rule of the show it's is we we speak for the length of the album and we got 35 minutes in this case (laughs) um it's a tight one especially again 35 minutes that changed the world you know like i totally agree um i mean in in a world that obviously was undergoing quite a bit of change at, at the time um oh yeah i mean we're gonna get into it in the upcoming song um it was re- it was removed yeah. it was removed from uh f- from the american cd release um yeah. this is uh the there was a different the, track put on i can't yeah i believe a song. different track was put on uh but uh the next song uh new york city cops didn't make did make it onto the vinyl release but not onto the um oh see tight tight endings um <laughs> Uh, oh it wasn't the ending (laughs) no it's just like they have just a drop in the middle of the song just for the hype (laughs) i love this band (laughs) um but uh yeah new york city cops was uh they they pulled it um and delayed the release of the cd uh to to press it without uh new york city cops um according to the band they just felt it was sort of the right thing to do uh, in response to um, in response to the events of 9/11, and quite literally seeing what uh, what many officers did that day. Um, yeah, it, it's not the most flattering song no, for police officers, no. and it has made a bit of a resurgence. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, this is this is one sort of. A <laughs> funny thing i read on twitter this was back um back when our our neighbors to the south were uh were having their uh presidential primaries they performed um a at a bernie uh sanders event and uh they there was footage of them at this uh, bernie sanders event playing new york city cops and i was like and people were just like wow this is how about that man strokes oh they're so cool they're so cool <laughs> and somebody on uh, twitter was like hey remember when bill clinton uh was running for president and his big song was um don't stop thinking about tomorrow by fleetwood mac and how kind of like old that felt new york city <laughs> cops is as old as that song was when Bill Clinton was running, wow. right? Because it's like we're coming up on the twentieth yeah. anniversary of this yeah. album. Uh, yeah, like this this year. Yeah, we're less than a year away from the the because I think in like the original release was uh, August. I want to say yeah, it, it had different in release Japan dates East. all over the world. Um, August twenty second in Japan was the first. I, I have July thirtieth. And that might have been either in the UK or Australia. Oh, sorry, that's I, yeah, that's Australia. UK was uh, the twenty seventh of August, which I find it so interesting. This like what I see as this iconic New York band uh, that like all their music getting very popular in in the UK and everything before it found its way to me. Yeah, that's why I knew to get mm-hmm. it when it came out was because I had some friends, uh, or well, a, a cousin um, that I talked to in uh, in the UK, yeah. and uh, they they told me about it. They're like, I, "This album, you have to get it. It's like right up your alley. It's amazing." Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I like they never st- st- steered me wrong, stored me. Wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
they had always uh, gotten me onto the right things. So I, uh, I, I took their word for it. I picked it up and uh, I just fell in love. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, um, I have family in Ireland, so I would occasionally get music recommendations from them or when we would visit family, they would have different stuff there. I remember there, there was the old now CDs uh, of our youth. But over yeah. there, those CDs had existed for a really long time. So when we had like now yeah. three uh, in the UK, they were releasing like now 30. Um, like these <laughs> compilation albums were just very popular over there for a long time. And how else are you going to come back to Ontario and introduce all your friends to S Club 7? Like that's how you, <laughs> that's how you did yeah. that. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah. Well, and, and that's, again, that was the state of music at the time yeah. was that um, the like all of the major labels were pushing these um, like prefabricated groups that like they they thought were just OK, we'll just slot them in. Mm -hmm. They're another band that's going to do all right on the radio. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and there was like you said, there was this um, kind of underground um, you know, network of people being like, but you've got to listen to this. Yeah. And I think to me, that, like, th what makes this so iconic, uh, this album in general, was that once this came out and once everybody started listening to it, that's when you started to see uh, those labels start signing people like the Arctic Monkeys, Franz Ferdinand. Uh, you know, I think the Killers ended up being, like, uh, kind of uh, part of this whole yeah. movement. Right? Like, it was just, there was so many bands that, because uh, the record labels, you know, they see the success of one thing. They see the dropping success of other things. They're like, okay, got to jump on that. Thing. Let's let's get on. I always it, think right? about um, so, uh, Ed O'Brien said of, of Radiohead. Uh, he was just like, well, yeah, like bands like us and bands like Nirvana, we were just trying to do what our favorite brands did, which were the Pixies, and they had songs that went quiet, loud, quiet, loud. So we wrote songs that went quiet, loud, quiet, yeah. loud, and then Nirvana hit. And every record company was like, we need to find more of these quiet loud bands. And so we all got signed. <laughs> like, yep. that's just how, like, yeah. these trends tend to work. Well, if this is the sound now, we got to find everybody that sounds yep. like this. Um, and um, do you remember um, Alan Cross from Oh yeah, uh, the Edge 102? Yeah. So, okay. So for those who don't know, Edge 102.1 was the Ontario rock and roll uh, station. It, it had, like, a lot of the alternative rock stuff and there was um i, I don't know he's he like executive producer mm -hmm. so he was like really high up in the radio station but um it was a guy named alan cross and i'm pretty sure this is all available on the internet yep. now so like you could go back and, and listen to what i'm about to suggest but he had um this show that was called the history of new music and he would uh, i think it was sunday nights and it would be like two or three hours or, or something like that and he would just like pick something with music and he would just get into the nuts and bolts. It was awesome. I love it. It was show. something else. Um, I think that you can find it uh, online now. I don't know if it's available as a podcast yeah. or not. Um, I think it, it is. It like I, I, I came across it somewhat recently and I didn't like, I, I didn't have the time to kind of like go into it. I, I'll probably mm -hmm. will now, but, um, but anyway, so there was a, uh, there was one specific one that always stuck with me. And this doesn't really apply today because of the, like the music industry has full it fundamentally changed. Has so, changed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So it does not apply to now, but um, he said like uh, basically there is a, about a 10 year 
um, kind of cycle that happens hmm. and showed all the examples of it happening. But basically, um, it was kind of how music... Uh, and so for the record, he did... he This episode that I'm talking about came out before this happened. Before, like, The Strokes came out, before, like, Franz Ferdinand and all these bands and the Arctic... Like, so he predicted this was going to happen, hmm. and it did, and it was awesome. But he basically said that they're like uh, the way that um, the music industry works and how they like find new artists and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's there's those ten year cycles, and uh, it's a it's based on. I, I'm not gonna you know I don't have it in front of me. It's been a while since I've I've heard it, but he there, he had like this really solid reasoning, and it was to do with like you know it gets to a point where there's like really heavy pop. And people get sick of and that. And they kind of push blah. back. And so, what, like, yeah. Yeah. Ebbs and flows. And then they find these ebbs yeah. and flows, right? So he, like, again, like a year or two before it came out, like, and I just remember, like, the end of it, uh, that, that episode where he was just like, and, you know, um, the, I think he literally predicted 2003 or something, which is, like, basically when this kind of, like, was in the mm -hmm. mainstream. But um, he, you know, he was like, there's some really good things that are about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I just kind of remember that. And it got me so amped Interesting. up. Um, well, I mean, to put that in perspective, here's a quote from uh, producer Gordon uh, Raphael. Um, when they were playing in my basement, they sounded way more interesting than they did at the gig. They reminded me of the Velvet Underground, though everyone thought guitar bands were over. The New York Times had just run a cover featuring an electric guitar as a gravestone. So I think Alan was right and the New York Times were wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was exactly that. They're always saying, oh, guitar bands are over. And they seems like they never quite are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even towards that, I, I think I left out a part of, like, kind of what was going on. That was, this was also when... Um, like rap and hip hop was becoming mm. I this is gonna sound like weird, but you know, we grew up in a very racist time. Obviously racism isn't solved of yet. Of course. Um, but but like when we were growing up, uh, you know, that was when a lot of like R and B and hip hop became part of like the white mainstream. Right. Um mo mostly through like uh much music. Mm -hmm. Like there were certain people who listened to certain R&B artists and stuff like that. But like, really it was kind of like the, um, like Nelly and, uh, outcast and stuff like that, that like were making like high quality music videos with really catchy songs that ended up being like on the radio and on the like radar of like white people. And, and I, I mean that as the general white people, not as like anyone specific, it was just like, it was the time where like, that kind of stuff um, it took, was more acceptable or, or just like acceptable as popular music. Yes, is like kind it of definitely took off and like it became like the new pop music in, in a big way, I think. Yes, yes. Um, um, and, and then this was during that. Yeah. That's, that's, so again, this was a completely different sound from where the, again, the record labels were kind of like heading with a combination of like, you know, um, that sound and you know you had your britney spears and christina aguilera and you know nsync and justin timberlake was going out on his own and stuff like that mm -hmm. and, and within this you had this just like this awesome revival of rock and roll. yeah um, and there's so many like you can hear you can hear the influences in this 
but then you can also kind of hear everybody that's been influenced since. And I yeah. think that that like, you know, what, what more could like an artist ever want? Um, you know, uh, like I think if they had only ever made this album that, that I still would consider them a success, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think lucky for all of us, they, they made more. <laughs> yeah. So I, as this album comes to a yeah. close on the song, take it or leave it, I'm definitely going to take it. And uh, <laughs> like, this is uh, for me, in my opinion, this is the most influential album um, since 2000. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I think a very close agree on that. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I think there's like, it, it's certainly up there. I think there could be other like contenders, especially it's, it's definitely top five albums of, of the aughts. Um, I think yes. like hands down. And I think that in terms of influence, yeah, I, yes. I, I, I want to be clear while there are some wonderful songs on this album, I think even the strokes have made better albums since this album. Um, but in terms of influence that that's, that's what I, I mean. Absolutely. Cause like, you know, I will, I would take like almost any Arctic monkeys album as like a better quality album than this mm -hmm. one to be mm -hmm. fair. But, um, but this like, again, where it came in in time, like how much influence it had on all of those other bands. Um, I just think that, you know, I can't think of another album. Maybe, I, I don't know if the Outkast um, Love Below album came out during the 2000s. That might be as influential for other reasons. Right. For like, you know, but um, beyond those two albums, I literally can't think of anything else that would be in the conversation. I, I maybe you can. I, in if we're talking early aughts, I think like Kid A uh, for me would be up there. But was that in the aughts? I thought it was in the nineties. Uh, two thousand comes out in uh oh, two thousand. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. They they had their twentieth anniversary of it, uh, just recently. Um, I think it was late two thousand. Uh, but yeah, but. I, I would I would say that that was an amazing album. I, I I don't think it had. Give me your case for the influence part. Well, I think you know what that might that might be another that might be another episode altogether. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, I would I would be on that episode. Oh man, that's a great album. I can talk so. about it for days, even though you know that's not the or rule the of the plot of or the, the length of the video. <laughs> So, um, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, but I think I hear your argument and I, I lean, I lean in favor of your argument, even, even being a, a Radiohead super fan, I, I, I lean toward, uh, toward agreeing with you on this one. And, and even if it's not the, the most influential, it's definitely in like the top five. I'm, so, yeah, uh, you know, Hey, if it could, if it um, could, uh, get somebody like me to, <laughs> to play one of these songs on, on like a stage, then awesome, oh, you yeah. know? Um, or I sit on a stage or like in, in the corner of a bowling alley for my drummer's birthday party, you know, what, whatever, whatever <laughs> floats your boat. <laughs> All of life is a stage. So wherever you played it, you were. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much for doing this. It was an absolute pleasure. I also had a, a, a fantastic time. I look forward to uh, maybe being on another one in the future. I hope to definitely have you back. Uh, you know, it's, I, I'm a nerd for this stuff. I can talk music with people for 
the length of an album. Same. <laughs> um, thank you to everybody who uh, sat through this and listened to us ramble. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and you can find me on the Something Wicked podcast. And if you like potato chips, you can find me on Twitter at Chip Reviews <laughs> or on Instagram at Chip Reviews. I uh, review <laughs> potato chips. <laughs> Is there anywhere where people can find you online? Is um, my favorite account that I have is, um, at Izzy J art. Um, it is my Instagram art account. So if you'd like to see the paintings and whatnot that I do, that would be where you find me. Um, and I'm somewhere on Twitter, but I don't <laughs> do it enough to remember my handle. Fair enough. Definitely follow Izzy on Instagram. I love your art. Thank you. It's Izzy underscore J underscore art for Twitter and just Izzy J art for Instagram. Awesome. Your listening to is brought to you in association with Wicked and Fun Co. Check out their weekly D&D podcast, Something Wicked, which I happen to edit. You can also watch their live stream on Twitch at Something5E. 5E is for the D&D fans out there. More of the gang from Something Wicked will be joining me on future episodes to chat about their favorite albums. You can also find the show on Instagram and Twitter at Listening2Pod. So feel free to reach out, and if you like the show, take a minute to rate and review it on iTunes. I'm, I'm told it helps. Thanks for listening. <laughs>